0: Wichita, there's a cool kind of energy going around, but I will say this, even in those defeats, Jesus is still good, amen, and so um, I will say this, uh, I've, I've been going around the city and seeing the sports fanatics, I'm going, man, this is awesome, we'll talk a little bit about it today, but it's just kind of cool to see um, just the, the spirit of unity when they come together for a team. And um, and so, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but it's it's been a little bit madness in March, and so loving it. This morning, um, Pastor Aaron, uh, last week, if you were here, I don't know if you were here or weren't here, but if you weren't, I truly encourage you to go back and listen to our podcast from last week, because it was one of the best messages I've ever heard about the victory of church. Do you guys remember this message? Aaron talked about this idea of going, it's not for victory that we're operating, it's from victory that we're operating. You guys remember this? And I don't know about you, but it encouraged me as a body, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going, holy cow, that message was spot on, it's who we are, and that we operate in victory, amen? Amen. And because of victory, we have authority, we have all those things, and today we're going to continue this message a little bit, as Pastor Aaron has asked us to dig in, but I will say this, we are Easter people, amen? I don't know about you, I love Christmas, I love all the other holidays, but Easter is my holiday. Why? Because I'm an evangelist, I love Jesus, I want to share Jesus with the world, and so it gets me amped up, but the truth is, is if we are followers and believers of Jesus Christ, we are all Easter people, and it's not just one day a year, it's every day of the year. Amen. And so today might seem a little bit like an Easter sermon as it was last week. But the truth is, is we are Easter people. And so we speak Easter, we speak victory. And so today, Pastor Aaron has asked me to kind of lead us into where we're going for Easter. We have this week and then next week's Palm Sunday and then we have Easter. So if you count today, we have three Sundays or two Sundays before Easter. And so we're going to get into it today. Um, But before we do, I just want to pray for uh, the message today. Lord, man, this is the day that you've made. Father, I thank you for the time of worship this morning. I'm just declaring, God, our, our lives, would you be lifted high? Would you be glorified in everything we do? And so, Father, I just pray that you would speak through this word this morning, that, God, this wouldn't be the words of Matt Lowry, but they would be your word. Let me just be a mouthpiece, a vessel of your truth, and that, Father, your truth would root deep and transform your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this morning and um, the next couple of weeks, we're gonna spend our time in John 17. Now, um, John 17 is the longest recorded prayer in uh, of Jesus in Scripture, and so I'm not normally a teacher, but today I might do a little bit of teaching. I say that, but. Um, I don't think I can withhold from preaching, so we'll just see how that goes, but I will promise you I'll be shorter than Aaron Wallace, so, but here's the thing, at the end of John 16, Jesus had finished speaking to his disciples. Now, just before he heads into the olive grove to be arrested, he speaks to his father. This is very unusual chapter of the gospels because we're not usually listening to Jesus's prayers to his father. It is a clear it is clear though that we are not eavesdropping. The disciples aren't eavesdropping without permission. Jesus deliberately wants his disciples to listen to what he is saying. It is an encouragement and because that he uh, because what he prays also helps them understand more why he is going. This prayer in in John 17 is broken up to three sections, and so today we're going to go kind of through the first two sections of that, and Pastor Aaron's going to follow up next week on on finishing that up, which is such a good word, and so he's asked me today to really dig into this first two parts of this and get into it, and as I do, have you guys ever read scripture where, you know, you start to read it, and you're like, okay, I'm kind of getting it, and then all of a sudden you dig into it, and it just blows your mind, you know what I'm talking about? What I love about God's word is that it does that to me all the time. I get this epiphany, this revelation that really could only come from God. Anybody? I know that God's word does that to me all the time. When our students go, I don't know, the Bible's kind of boring. I don't get it. I'm like, boring? It is the most crazy. If you made a movie of that book, it would be the most crazy adventure, dramatic story in history. It is the most amazing dramatic, action-filled book or word of God in history. I love it. And so as we dig into this, we're going to get into this first part, John 17, 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me. Again, John 17, 1 through 5. We're going to get into it today. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted the Father, or excuse me, for you granted father, uh, him authority over all people, that he might give uh, eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life that they uh, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I'm not a person that has a ton of checklists, but I love to accomplish my checklist, amen? I love to feel like I finished something for the day the goal for the day. Now, I have my checklist every day, but um, it, it... this thing is is it's constantly growing, and it seems like the the further in the week, the more that's on there. And and there's these things, but there's something about accomplishing the work that's done. But if we back up real quick into verse one, Jesus prays to be glorified, and it might feel like this is a selfish prayer. Jesus is praying. He says, "Father, the hours come, glorify Your Son, bring glory to Me." And we're going, man, that's a selfish prayer, but. It's not a selfish prayer at all. Notice that Jesus wants to be glorified so that the Father is glorified. As the work of the cross is completed or was completed, the Son is glorified and he is lifted to the Father and and is given his heavenly glory, put to the place where he's properly deserved. And the Father is glorified by the perfect obedience and completed work of the Son. This prayer that Jesus is praying is ultimately a prayer of victory. And this is where that revelation I was kind of talking about, where it kind of blows my mind, just kind of happens. Because church, the truth is, is we need to be reminded that we are on a winning team. Amen? Aaron talked about it last week, that we can't walk in feeling defeated, because if we do, we are giving Satan authority. And that authority has been taken away and we've been given that authority and we are on a victorious team. And so it's from victory that we operate. And I love this because Jesus is praying not for a selfish prayer, but he is praying a victory prayer. Somehow the church has bought this idea and I say this often, but Jesus was affixed to us messing up. We like to go, well, Adam and Eve, we messed up in the garden and then man fall and, and corruption and pride and all of these things entered in. And Jesus had to come to be sacrificed for our sins to be redeemed back to him. And is that true? Absolutely. But Jesus wasn't coming to fix our mess up. Jesus was the plan from the very beginning. 1 Peter 1, 18-20 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses their value. It was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him. God chose Jesus as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has refilled it to you for your sake. Colossians 1 and verse 20 says this. Colossians 1 says Christ is a visible image of an invisible God, of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. Verse 20, if we jump down, it says, And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The truth is, church, is Jesus is, he was, and always will be the Father's plan. Come on, amen? Amen. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is, he was, and always will be the Father's plan. I don't know about you, but this truly just, man, this revelation that comes to me when I read this. God in flesh steps down from heaven to earth to carry out what they planned long ago. Jesus' plan, God's plan was for Jesus to step down on earth. Can we bring up the lights just a little bit? I like to walk around. I'm a pacer. And so um, Jesus steps down as the plan from the very beginning of time. And I think it's so important that we understand this, that it wasn't just a fix to the brokenness of creation. It was the plan from all along because God's is only good. He only creates good. And if he saw this whole plan through, we have to trust in him as his believers, having faith, knowing that he knows what he's doing. Amen. And so if Jesus is the plan, think about it. We get to see the end result. We get to know that Jesus was put on that cross. He was chained or he was beaten. He was broken. He was nailed to the cross. And so we get to see this thing played out. And so um, as we do so, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equally with God. He did not think of himself equally with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the, uh, the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore God elevated him in the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord. To glory to the glory of God the Father. See, what I love is Satan was truly thinking that he was finally defeating God once and for all by crucifying him on the cross. And God all along, seeing the whole thing through, said, no, this was my plan all along. See, Jesus didn't just step down from heaven. He could have have just descended, put himself on the cross, did all these things. But he stepped down in human form. He lived as a human. He taught us what it looked like to be a true Christian, to be a follower of Christ. He humbled himself. He took the place of a servant. He taught us how to love. He taught us how to have compassion. He taught us how to live a life of sacrifice. Jesus came as a sacrifice to show us what it really means to live as, as love. Amen? And as we think about that, there's this, there's this thing that comes in of going, man, we see the end result. We know the, the end thing. And, and the truth is, is what Satan planned for the final defeat of God was truly his final defeat. And as Jesus was nailed to the cross, he declares, it is finished. Now, that's a lot of words for verse 1. But we have to understand that there's a reason why Jesus is praying these things. He's, he's consecrating. He is, he is asking God to finish out the plan. As he's going and, is, and he's getting ready to be arrested and he knows he's going to be beaten. And he knows all of these things. You can only imagine the anxiety, yet he is praying, God, bring glory to your name. By finishing the plan, the plan was me. So God glorify me in every name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Amen? That revelation is amazing to me. Jesus is going, God, I want you to be glorified so much. Finish the work. So glorify your son so good. And so this morning, I said that we were going to go to these, these two parts, John 17, th- 6 through 19. Now, um, this next part, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And I love this, um, because as Jesus is praying for his disciples, I don't know about you, but uh, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit, knowing that the disciples are listening in, because I kind of do this all the time. My son, Caleb, is um, in Colorado skiing as we speak right now. And as a Father, I'm extremely nervous about that because um, I you guys saw my video a couple weeks ago, right? Of me flipping over the back, kicking myself with my skis in the head. Just can't walk. I'm super sore. Um, I still don't feel like I'm quite adjusted from that. And so I, I'm, I'm talking to Caleb. I'm saying, Caleb, you got to be, uh, man, have fun. It's going to be awesome. First time skiing. I wish I could take you, but they invited you. We'll let you go this time, but you got to be safe. And so I'm telling him the whole safety thing. I'm giving him the spiel. And he's like, dad, you're not safe when you ski. I'm like, shut, up, listen to me, you know, I'm like, I'm like, don't, those videos are, those were doctored, right, no, I'm, extreme. And so I'm sitting there, I'm going, Caleb, you got to be safe, make smart decisions, do all of these things, and, and so I'm reading him the right act, I'm telling him, I don't care how fast you're going, you fall, it's better you break a leg than break your, you know, face or whatever, and so I'm, I'm giving him all these things, and then at the end of it, I said, buddy, I love you so much, I give him a hug, and then I said, hey, before you go, let me pray for you. And so I pray for him, and I, I'm praying, and I said, God, thank you for Caleb. Thank you for his life. God, let him have fun and just uh, enjoy your creation. But then this next part, I kind of use the, the, the prayer. I don't know if you guys ever do this to kind of finish the the preaching. You know what I'm talking about? I see all these heads shaking like, yes. So I'm like, God, you allow Caleb to make smart decisions. You know, I'm just writing these things. And so I don't know Jesus is doing this here, but in a way I'm going as the disciples are listening to this, I feel like Jesus is kind of nailing it home. You know what I'm saying? And so this next part is Jesus praying for the disciples as they're listening in. And we're not going to, as, as we jump in through 6 through 12, I'm not going to read all through that today. But it's really Jesus prays and affirms the, the, uh, his disciples that they belong to God. Because they belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to the Father, and anyone who belongs to Jesus belongs to the Lord, amen? And so this is that part, and and Jesus begins to pray for his disciples. And in verse 9, we see that he says, My prayer is not for the world, but it's for the ones that you have given me. And so he turns it. This isn't a prayer for the world. As he's finishing this whole thing, he's literally praying for the 12 that have followed him. And he's going, God, keep them safe. And he begins to intercede about safety. And he, and he talks to these things. And he goes, man, this isn't for the world. I'm praying for them. But then in verse 10, it says, all who are mine belong to you. This is Jesus talking to the Father. All who are mine belong to you. And so this morning, I want to... We're not just talking about a a prayer. We're not just reading about it where Jesus is praying for the disciples because he begins to include us in this. And I don't want to jump too far ahead because this is where Aaron's picking up next week. But I want to make sure that we're paying attention to this because in verse 20 of John 17, it says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. This is extremely important. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all. Everybody say all. All who will ever believe in me through their message. This prayer is for you and for me. Amen? My prayer is not for the world, but for the ones that you have given me. Disciples for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And so I want us just to tune into this next part because this is where we're going to spend the remaining part of the day. But I believe that where God is challenging us and and, and bringing us today. John 17, 13 through 20 says, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them into the world. uh, And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Man, that that scripture has so much in it. We could spend a week here, but we won't. But I truly believe God has something for the church, for you, the body of Christ. And as I was joking around earlier about the disciples listening in, this is where I feel like Jesus is nailing it home. He's trying to say, hey, this is where it's at. I want you guys to pay attention You know, in in the verse 1 through 5, there's something that Jesus says right there. He says, eternal life is. When Jesus says eternal life is, we should listen, amen? And this is what he says, eternal life is knowing God, knowing you. Eternal life is about relationship with God, not knowing about him, but knowing him. And so this is reiterated in this next verse. We're talking about truth. And the truth is, is we know that God's promise is because of this. Amen? This is the authoritative scripture. We cannot cannot waver from this truth because the second we do, we begin to have an identity crisis. And we've seen the church begin to operate in an identity crisis. And so today, as we talk about the truth, we have to know that the truth is scripture. God breathes scripture. The words of God. And so we hold tight to those. And Jesus tells us right here we believe it because it's God's truth. We do not belong to this world. Somebody say amen. amen. We do not belong to this world. We're not supposed to belong to this world because Jesus didn't belong to this world. But he says he's leaving us in this world for a purpose. We do not belong to this world. I had such a cool opportunity. Now, I'm just going to be honest from you. Lance Miller's sitting over there. On on Thursday morning at 7 a.m., I get a call from um, some people in the city and said, Hey, we need a photographer. If you guys don't know, I do some photography. And so they're like, We need a photographer. Your name was given to us. And uh, we want you to come. Photograph the pep rally for KU I'm going that sounds awesome right and so I'm like heck yeah that would be great but I do not own a KU shirt and it's not because I'm not a KU fan I just haven't I own three WSU shirts because people invited me to WSU games I like WSU basketball and it's not that I don't like KU basketball I just haven't been as invested in it you know what I'm talking about and so uh, anyway as I go I'm like these people are crazy it sold out or they filled up they were above fire code in like no time. People started showing up three hours early. We were sitting I don't know whose bright idea this was, but they made that little glass thing outside. You know what I'm talking about? Well it was like a sauna, like a stinking greenhouse and we're like baking in there people are sweating all over the place they're screaming it's so loud the band's playing the cheerleaders going it is crazy people's hair decked out all this stuff and it, it's really funny because as we're finishing up <laughs> the well, one of the sound guys tech guys we're in the back room and I'm like getting all my camera stuff t- t- torn down and and he he goes I don't get this whole thing I'm like what do you mean you don't get it He's like, I just don't get why people are so into this. Did you see the guy with the punk rocker hair that had like red and blue? And then the other guy who tied a little um, sparkly, what do they call it, pom-pom in his hair? And I'm like, yeah, pretty crazy. He's like, and then the rock rock chalk thing, right? Rock chalk, what does it mean? I don't get it. And I'm like, I I don't quite, I mean, just kind of like a raw, right? And so he's like, I just, these people are crazy. And as he's talking, I start to think about it. Um, This is how the world thinks about Christians. We're crazy. The stuff we do, how we think, we're called to be a part of this world. Unless you're entirely ingrained into it and you're adopted in it, you don't get it. Love your enemy? Are you kidding me? Success is not building up treasures of this world, but treasures in a kingdom that we can't see? Are you kidding me? And Jesus says, you're not called to be in this world. You're not of this world. You're called, I'm leaving you in this world because you have purpose. And last, last month at RSM, um, I, I say this to you guys a lot, but I, I mean it because as I get older, 35 years of age, I don't desire to entertain students anymore. I don't desire to throw the biggest block parties and the sleepovers and fundraisers and all of these things. Man, maybe that's for somebody, but that's not my heart anymore. I want to equip students, disciple them. And so we've been just really... I mean, for six months talking about identity in Jesus. Identity of who we are as believers, who we are as followers of Christ. And we've ripped this thing apart. I'm sure they're tired of me talking about identity. But the truth is, is and there's a reason why Paul did it. There's a reason why Jesus spent time with the disciples. To show them their kingdom identity and not their earthly identity. Amen? And so because when we get that kingdom identity, Everything changes. Our mentality changes. Our focus changes. Our goals change. Because we are for kingdom. We are kingdom workers, not earthly ones. we got to stop trying to build our earthly kingdom. Because it's going to crumble. It's going to fall. Eternal, eternal life, as Jesus says, is knowing him. And so we're getting into this thing. We're talking about disciple. And so we call our discipleship, and we call this series Disciple. And first week is literally going, what is a Disciple. And we talk about what is a disciple. And and I challenged the students. I asked them, how many of you are Christians in this room? And pretty much every hand went up in the room. And we have about 65 students going, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I said, Awesome. How many of you are disciples? And <laughs> like five of them, like, I think I'm a disciple, right? So I said, So what is a disciple? And so we start talking about it a little bit. And, most of them, somebody who, you know, one of the 12 people who followed Jesus. And, and so we define disciple. And disciple means a student of or somebody who takes the trade of their master. I'm going... If we are disciples of Jesus, we are students of Jesus, and we are taking on the same trade as our master Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's powerful. That speaks. That just brings it home. And so uh, we're, we're going through that. And then the next week... I asked Jacob Hall to teach and preach, and and I don't know if you guys got the email this week, but I'm excited to tell you that Jacob Hall is coming on our pastoral staff. We'll introduce him next week as he's out skiing this week. Apparently, I just got left behind, and so I'm not bitter. Don't worry about it, and so, um, you know, so Jacob brings this word, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, it was such a good word because he goes, Matt, where, what are we doing? I said, we're talking about discipleship. I want to talk about who Jesus was so that we can begin to understand if we are followers and students of the gospel and Jesus, we know how to live. And so I'm expecting Jacob to come and to talk about all these characteristics of Jesus. And this is what he says. He starts off and sometimes you're like, oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like... Oh, did that just come out of his mouth? So he goes, this, I want you to hear me today. I don't want you to be like Jesus. And I'm just like, I spent all last week talking about we're students of Jesus, taking on the trade of Jesus. Come on, dude. And he goes, don't be like Jesus because if you try to be like Jesus, you're going to fail. I was like, okay, I, I kind of get where he's going with this. And he starts talking about the presence of God. And he starts talking about the presence of Jesus. He t- starts talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we can carry out the characteristics of God is being in his presence. And so he says, don't be like God. Behold God. Become in his presence. Live in his presence. And the fruit of his presence will be Jesus in your life. And I'm like, preach it, right? <laughs> this is so good. When we're in the presence of God, the fruit of those, I don't care who you are, the people you hang out with, you will become. So hang out with Jesus. And I'm just like, man, what a great word. And so last week we finished up in Matthew 28, where Jesus tells his disciples, all authority of heaven and earth have been given to me. Now go, go make disciples. And so we talked with students about what this looked like. What does it mean to go make disciples? And we talked about being ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And what is an ambassador? And so as, as I'm talking about what is an ambassador, the word ambassador literally means to be an official representative representative of. And I'm going, man, that's a good word. And so I break it down and I said, it's not just to be a representative. It's an official representative because the truth is, is we've been bought with the price. We are not our own, but we belong. We've been grafted into the family of God. Amen? Because we are sons and daughters, we've been given the authority that, God's give, uh, that, that God has. He's poured it out through his spirit. And 2 Peter, it tells us, by God's divine power, we have everything we need, church, to live a godly life. I'm going, oh, man, Guys. If we are ambassadors, official representatives of Jesus Christ, think about that. And so we broke down the word, what it means to represent. And it's literally to represent Jesus. Represent. We are supposed to be carriers of Jesus. And so I, I had these two students stand up. I said, You guys stand up and Cade and Cole. And I said, guys, I want you. And then I said, I'm I'm this is me. I said, this is Cade. I'm gonna present Cade to Cole. I said, Cade. I said, Cole, I want you to introduce my my good buddy, Cade. He plays drums for us. He has a heart, I and mean, He's he's very compassionate and all these things. And I present him, and they shake hands. And I said, you know, and I get them talking. And I said, the truth is, is we got to stop thinking about the the purpose of the church of just screaming out things from the corner or from a bullhorn. But we need to to present Jesus to the world. We are called to be love. We're called to be compassion. We're called to be mercy. We are called to present Jesus to the world. And so we get into this thing, and, I'm, and I say all this because we are not supposed to be of the world, and I'm going to get on a soapbox really quick because I can. <laughs> and, and here's the truth. And this might be a hard truth for some of us to hear today, but I'd rather be speaking in truth than, than worried about offense. Amen? And... Um, it's time that the, the church and the body of Christ stops looking to government for, as our Savior. Amen? Amen. Come on. It is time that we, the church, stop looking to government as the answer. We carry the hope of the world. We are the light of the world. We carry the message of Jesus. And yet we are crying out to government to be the savior of our schools. We're crying out to government to be the savior of our homes. We're crying out to government to be the savior of fill in the blank. But the truth is, is the only one that saves is Jesus Christ. And it's time that we, the church, operate that we are not uh, of this world. We are of kingdom. And if we hold the message of kingdom, we need to present to the world the brokenness and all of those things that Jesus is, was, and always will be the answer. And we hold tight to that. And this last part is Jesus begins to talk about the truth. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as they do, I just want to finish with this this beautiful Intercession that God prays for all disciples, those who belong to him. And it says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into this world, I am sending them into this world. And I, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they may be made holy by your truth. The word holy means to be set apart, to be consecrated, that we are not of this world. And church, we have to understand that we have a message. We have a, a, a burden on our hearts for our neighbors. We should be burdened for for the ones that don't know Jesus, the co-workers that we have, the school systems that we have, the government that we have. Yes, we have a role to play in the election process, but if we think that the person that's getting elected is going to fix everything, then we've missed it. Because once again, only Jesus saves It's time that we disciple at home so that our school systems can be changed from the inside out because there is no separation of church and state because you cannot separate God from his creation. Because we were made for him, we were made in him, we were made through him. That we, the plan all along was for God to step down, to humble himself, nail himself on the cross, that you and I would be reconciled back to that truth, operate in authority, introduce people back to the name of Jesus so that all could know him and the name of God be glorified. Holy cow! Revelation blown. And this is the prayer that Jesus prays for the church. That he'd make us holy by his truth. We got to be in his word. We got to be in his promise. We got to be holding tight to this truth. And that these words need to be spoken out to a world that is in need of a fix. A world that is broken and in need of a savior. But it's God's plan all along, church. That this is truth. Sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing bone and marrow, spirit and truth. These are the promises we hold on to. This is the truth that we fight with. And I want to finish with one scripture. Colossians 2, 7 through 10 says, Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth, you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and of spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is head over every ruler and authority. And if Jesus says that we have been bought with a price, if Jesus says, everyone that belongs to me, God, belongs to you, and you have given me all authority, I'm giving them all authority so that they can go out and be world changers, kingdom workers, it's time that we step up and operate in our purpose. Amen, church? And so Jesus' prayer as he's interceding for disciples, for you and for me, is that we would go out and be world changers and live the message of Christ every single day in every single circumstance. And so today I challenge you, church. Today I'm asking you, operate in your kingdom identity. Let's go make disciples. Let's go be disciples. Because Jesus is, was, and always will be the answer. Easter's coming up in in, in two weeks, but the truth is, is Easter's already happened. We are operating from victory, and it's time that we operate this. And so we're seeing an uprise in our city of, of denominational walls come crumbling down because there's been a unity of the body of Christ, and that's where we're going to pick up next week is the power in that truth. And it's time that we start operating in our place, and our purpose, because the body of Christ is needed. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your truth. God, it is what transforms. It is what changes. Father, I pray that today it would take root and it would take heart in each one of us. That God, there wouldn't be a single person in this room that comes in and fills the same uh, way they did when they come out because Lord, your word speaks. And so Father, I ask that every chain is broken off of fear and all those things that God, we would begin to operate in the power and authority that you've given us. God, let us be your voice. Let us be so Let us be the light of the world as we carry the message of Christ, for eternal life is knowing you. And so, God, let us introduce people to you, Lord. We love you. We praise you, and it's in your name. Everyone said amen. Let's stand up and let's worship.